Welcome to our extraordinary agents and investors from across the country. Today is Thursday, September 21st, uh, 2023, and this is All the Leads Mastermind Podcast number 447. Going to have to have some special giveaway for our 500 podcast next year. I don't know what it'll be, but we'll, th- we'll think of something. Um, I got nothing today, Bruce. What do you have? Um, I, I, I want you to say it's 447 and you're th- already thinking about the fifth hundred, the 500. Yeah, that'd be that's some a year away. Yeah. Future pace. <laughs> that's next October. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Prepare for it. So, um, yeah, I don't have a lot. Let me kind of get, get us kicked off by letting those of you that are new to the, um, program know that, uh, we're here to answer your probate questions. Uh, we're here to take um, success stories and wins. So if you've never been here before and you're on Zoom, you want to ask a question, no matter how advanced, how basic, um, you can go down to the bottom of the screen and click the little reactions button and raise your hand. Make sure that you don't click the uh, clapping hands. I tend to do that sometimes. That goes away. We think that you're applauding us. So click that bar that says raise hand. We will call on you. You can ask your question live. If you're shy, or you are in uh, Facebook Live or YouTube Live watching the stream, uh, you can chat your questions in. We'll be monitoring those, and they'll come over to the coaches to help answer those questions. But we are here for you guys. Um, this call is hosted by All the Leads. So if you don't know who All the Leads is, um, All the Leads provides uh, probate leads, pre-probate leads, divorce leads, a list management system, CRM, that you can use uh, marketing resources like letters, websites, pretty much anything around uh, that life transition niche that you may need uh, from the basic things like just getting your leads all the way to the advanced stuff of putting your marketing on autopilot. So that's what um, all the leads does. Uh, My name is Bruce. If you don't know me, a lot of people do know me, but uh, I run Probate Mastery and that's a certification and education program for those that are trying to advance their their self in the life transition, specifically the probate niche. Um, and uh, I already see a couple of hands up. Um, is it uh, uh, Rocky? Uh, I have no idea. Forgive me for uh, totally messing your your name up. Go ahead and unmute yourself. No, you're 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 good. Actually, you um, you wanted the very first one. They actually gets it right in the first try. So that's pretty good. Really? Yes. Yeah. That, that's awesome. So thank you for hosting this, guys. And uh, my name is Rocky Zidane. and I'm in, based in Atlanta market. Um, I, I specialize in buying a lot of probate leads, um, but uh, I'm just not quite sure. Is this? Can I ask a question related to probate or just related to all all, all the leads? Probate. Probate. Okay. So I've, I've purchased probate leads like all the time. Like we lock out by like four or five contracts a month. And some sometimes takes a month, two, three, four, depend, depends on the county here in Georgia to close a deal, right? We have one where um, a friend of mine was on, the, on a will of his friend who passed away. And it was not um, done properly because that, that person, the deceased person did not have um, an attorney or anybody else write their will properly for him. And he didn't have any relatives. Like he has nobody. And uh, that being said, he in the will, he specified, let's just say, let's use um, uh, James as an example. So James is in the will, right? 
But the deceased person said, hey, James, take care of my house and my flowers because, you know, I love them like my children. So the judge, uh, when we come to purchase this property, the judge said, we can't, you can't technically sell the house because he didn't say the house is yours. He said, take care of the house. Now, fast forward, doing some digging, the only thing that we were advised to do and advice only, of course, is to just hang on for at least six months and then appeal um, or like appear in front of the judge and say, hey, this house hasn't damaged to us financially more than anything else. So it's kind of like a hardship situation. We want to sell. We don't want to be a part of this anymore. What What are your thoughts on that one? Um, Tim, I see your mouth moving. I'm not sure if you're talking to the room or if you're talking to someone else. Um, I'm curious if if you have something. Um, so when you say uh, we would go before the judge and say this has caused hardship, we need to sell, um, you're referring to your friend. Your friend would go before the judge and say, look, I'm supposed to take care of this house. Um, it, it's, um, it, it seems evident to me. Uh, and this is, I'm saying, I'm not saying that it seems evident to Bruce me. I'm saying your friend would say, it seems evident to me that, um, he wouldn't have asked me to take care of this house with no heirs indefinitely. Um, the intention behind this was that the house would pass to me. Otherwise, why would I be taking care of it? Just, Just cutting the grass for the next 50 years until I pass away. Right. Um, so to me, there's uh, there's there's evidence of intent. And in six months, if um, if no heirs are found, um, you probably need to show that there was an effort to find heirs. Um, you say no heirs. You probably need to um, document and list out an effort that you've uh, taken to locate heirs. Um, so. I called, um, I did a skip trace on such and such a date. I called these five phone numbers. I emailed these five people. I knocked on this door. I sent these letters. This is what I did to attempt to locate an heir. No heir was located. Um, and because of that, I believe that the intent of um, of, of my friend, the decedent, um, is that, that I received the property. So I would certainly do that. And wait six months, but I would also be um, um, participating in some due diligence to try to uh, locate other heirs. Now, it doesn't sound like any are going to be located, but you want to show the court that you weren't sitting there just waiting on your chance to appeal, that you were proactively trying to find someone else and you weren't able to do so. And because of that, that's another reason that the judge should award um uh, the property and honor the uh, will, even though it was poorly drafted. Lovely. No, that that's actually really good uh, because yeah, that rather than you, like you said, wait in the sideline, just wait for the right opportunity for us, show the judge that we actually did some digging. No, that's actually really good. Um, yeah, that's really all I have because I'm very familiar with the probate deals, but this was very new to me. So I truly appreciate the advice. Yep. Coaches, anybody else have anything? Rocky, you said you had some questions about all the leads specifically. Also, no, I, I'm I'm already working with you guys. Uh, that's, that's oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. great. I just great. didn't know how how we form the questions here, so I appreciate it. Perfect. Yeah. I have a, actually a question. I mean, is there a limit to how long the court can take to 
uh, transfer the property to somebody. Because I've had a couple of cases like that too, and it just seems like it's never going to get solved and it's going to sit in, you know, in the court's hands forever and they're never going to make a decision as, as how it feels. So I'm wondering if there is a, a, a limit to when the court has to assign a, you know, an executor or, or an ownership to the property if they can't find heirs. Uh, is there a mortgage? That's a, that's another follow-up question. Is there a mortgage? Uh, so uh, let me let you unmute yourself again. Right. There you go. Yeah, Ed said, no, it's all uh, uh, free and clear. And we, we offered a few solutions to kind of like have the judge on our sides and in this scenario, but mm -hmm. it's really using the take care of my house as as a reason why we can't sell because he didn't say that this house is yours pretty much. Probate is opened or it's applied for and not opened? Um, it's 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 applied for. That's how we kind of got to inform the judge. Okay. Yeah. But so uh, the issue, go ahead. The reason that six months might be too long to try this. Now, I would certainly do a blast for a month or two trying to locate some heirs. And please document that as detailed as you can. You don't want to say, hey, I called a couple of numbers three times and you, you need dates and times. You need dates and times and addresses and names that you sent letters to. Right. You need you need to show details because that's going to be your ammunition. And I probably wouldn't wait six months because property taxes need to be paid. The grass needs to be cut. Um, this pro this asset is going to start reducing in value. And eventually somebody is going to foreclose and it's probably going to be the county. So you're probably going to be dealing with the county and the judge is a state or a county official who, um, uh, to me, it would be unfair dealings if the judge just forced you to wait until there was a foreclosure and then the county took the property over. Uh, right. They can do that if you don't get kind of proactive. Right. Um, so I would be proactive and I I probably wouldn't wait six months to get back in front of them if I if I could help it. Hey, Rocky, is the house in pretty good shape? Is it habitable the way it is? It's, yeah, it's, it's moving ready. Yeah, because I just wonder, Bruce, what's your opinion of, uh, I mean, <laughs> rent it. <laughs> don't say <laughs> squatting. Don't say funny? squatting. <laughs> well, they told me to take care of it, so I put a tenant in there so that we can afford to pay the taxes. And the Technically, yes, you can't put a you can't put a tenant in it. But in this scenario, it would be the friend who is who is taking care of the house. It it wouldn't be uh, me. I mean, I that's what I advise them. I was like, hey, if if you if you want to put a tenant, go for it. But then that will not support his argument that he's been facing hardship because of this property because he doesn't want to keep it. Got it. You may have answered this question earlier, and and I missed it. But are there any? Is there anybody got a mechanics lien or a contractor's lien against the house for anything? Negative, sir. And nobody has any money at all. Because well, answer to part of this question always in regard to the judge and the rest of this is what's making. Is there anything that's lit a fuse that it's just like Bruce said? You know, you can wait until county forecloses for taxes or somebody else does. Something's got to be lighting a fuse to get it done, in general, there is a, a responsibility of the court to clear the docket. That's one thing that city looks at and the judges are usually measured on effectiveness of something just hanging around forever. They want to get it closed. So right. you're bringing them a fait accompli and you've got a way to get it done. As long as you document it well, Bruce has given you all the right answer. Document everything you've done. You've tried to get everything done you can. Your Honor, let's get this over with. 
Mm-hmm. Copy that. Yep. Thank you all. Hey, Rocky, that's a, it's a good example of the importance of using an attorney when you draft your will. Absolutely. Attorney told me a long time ago, he's, he's actually my best friend. I, I've known him for so many, many, many years, but he said, if you're going to do something yourself, make sure that everybody's intentions are clearly stated and there's nothing ambiguous. And, you know, boy, you got a very, uh, very general statement there. Take care of the flowers. What is that? No, I, I, I strongly agree with that. It's like, it's like, you know, I mean, I can paint my house myself, but I'm just going to hire the expert to do it because they do it right and they do it fast and they do it correctly. Um, and that's why like, I'm, I mean, a lot of people worry about that 900 to 1500 upfront fees for an attorney to do it, not knowing that they're going to cost their family five, 10,000 at the end if anything happens, God forbid. So yeah, I, I see what you're coming from. Yeah. Exactly. Perfect. Right, thank you all. All right. Thank you. Appreciate the question. Um, and that's a, that's a doozy and a good, good question to start off. Anybody else that's ever dealt with that? Uh, that has successfully dealt with a situation like that. Raise your hand. We'd like to hear from you guys. Um, for now, I'm going to go to Dwayne. Dwayne, go ahead and unmute yourself. How are you, my friend? Thanks. Thanks. You appreciate a comment, a couple of questions. Uh, yesterday in the mastery session, Bruce, somewhere in your presentation, you mentioned uh, someone named Aaron Wittenstein or Wittenstein, who's mm-hmm. a number of 445. I recommend it. I went ahead and listened to that recording last evening, and um, what 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 a wonderful presentation that uh, Aaron and what that, that whole thing was. Anybody within the sound of my voice, if you're not sure, haven't listened, go go look it up. It's a great. It brings balance, at least to someone like myself, you know, who's always looking for ways to say which needs to be said and so forth. So anyhow, the other thing is that last evening I was speaking with a former client slash friend of mine from many years ago, and he had called to give me a name of someone who uh, may need some real estate help. And we were talking and he told me about a scenario that he has with uh, his mother's home down in the Tampa area, Florida. And uh, was telling me what he said. It was actually one of those scenarios where someone had gotten hold of her deed and uh, fraudulently made some changes to make it look like he had owned the house and the property. And the person was caught and they've gone to jail. But said all that to say this, the house is down there, uh, needs some help doing some things with it. He needs some questions answered. I'd, I'd asked him, you know, a few questions about it. And I said, you know, you really ought to have a realtor investor realtor or something like that so i think i've heard it mentioned on this uh session before that uh you all assist in uh referrals and so forth you have maybe some contacts people in a certain area yeah Um, tim jim do you guys have a uh have some direction for that what area is it in Dwayne? where's it at tampa Oh yeah, yeah. I can, I can, I can connect with one of our subscribers in Tampa. Should uh, I just call in or? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Um, I'll reach out to you after the call. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. And, and anybody, but just I'm, I'm jump in for a second. Anybody that's looking to do that, anytime you're looking for that, simply you know drop an email to support, and we'll be happy to hook you up with somebody on the other end for getting that done. Anytime you're looking for. An referral, referral, recommendation, anything, just send it to support and we'll be glad to do that. And 
appreciate the opportunity. So does the other end. It's always great when our subscribers are sharing, you know, good fortune with other people or great opportunities like that. So support's here to help you. Yeah. Dwayne, um, I, I am in the Tampa area. Um, is it in in Hillsborough County or is it in one of the other counties? I have it written down in another room. So um, I'll deal with it, you know, after the thing here. So, um, cool. you know, if you want, you can get all of me. But uh, I'll call in or I'll wait for Tim's uh, Jim's call as well. Yeah, well. I'll give him your info also. Sure. Yeah. So I just figured this is the best, uh, at least for my contact, rather than me trying to start from a cold call and another agent, even if it's in the same company. So, mm -hmm. okay, I'll, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll wait for that, Jim. Get some people okay. that know that know this type of uh, work. You have a relationship with them. We want to uh, make sure that lots of people get the ability to facilitate referrals back and forth. Use the network that you have here. So yeah, all right, good. That's it. Uh, thanks. And Dwayne, thanks for the call out on um, Aaron's call a couple of weeks ago. If anyone does not know how to go back and listen to these recordings after the fact, um, let's say that you weren't here two weeks ago or a month ago and you want to hear a recording or you want to go back through the archive, you can do that uh, at alltheleads.com. You can go to training and then call archive or uh, go subscribe to the All The Leads YouTube channel. That's a great place. All of the mastermind sessions are um, are, are stored there. They're, they're loaded there. Um, if you like to drive and listen to podcasts, it's on uh, all the podcast channels. So this particular call every single week is a podcast. It's a YouTube video. Um, it's loaded to the website. So if you want to rapidly up your knowledge, go listen to some of these. Um, let's go to Daniel. Daniel has your hand raised. Daniel Parker, go ahead and unmute yourself. Hey there. I'm in the Nashville, Tennessee, Murfreesboro market. And just starting out, I have some leads that I've done some initial scrubbing and investigation and a couple of them have already had the houses listed. Is that something I can still reach out to the personal representatives and try to monetize? Or would most of you not even work with that lead? Oh, Daniel, are you a realtor or an investor or both? I'm a realtor. Okay. There's absolutely a way to reach out to them and establish a relationship. Um, you need to be relatively clear because you do have knowledge that they're listed now. Uh, you need to be pretty clear with them that, that this is not a solicitation. I recognize that your house is on the market. This isn't a solicitation of that listing. Um, that'll give you an opportunity to uh, pivot into another uh, another uh, topic of conversation. So now you can start to work it toward anything else that you can personally monetize or work it toward a referral to one of your business partners. If it's me personally... I'm probably not really going to work that lead because how I monetize my business is through real estate listings uh, or purchases. Uh, so I'm probably not going to pursue that lead personally, but I'll tell you, there's a lot of people that have a different model than I do and they monetize uh, the probate business a lot of different ways. And if you have another way to either monetize that, uh, that, that business outside of the listing or if you want to use it as a referral opportunity for your attorneys and your state sale companies and clean out crews and people like that, go for it. Um, but you do, 
if you if you ever got called on it, you need to be able to show them. I'd even record the call. Look, I told them I wasn't soliciting soliciting their listing. Okay. Right. Any other opinions on that? Anybody else? It's a great opportunity for you to point out the fact that uh, as as you develop probate as a pillar in your business, the answer to that would be real obvious, which is you don't just have to get involved in the real estate to make it be beneficial. You've got partners that you can refer to them for various aspects of what they're still going to need, even if in fact the uh, you know it's it's listed with somebody else. There may still be stuff in it, and that needs to get moved out. And it ultimately still is the choice of the PR as to who's going to do that. So you can have a conversation that literally begins to discuss, you know, what's going on, where are the points of pain. Bruce is appropriately telling you you certainly need to recognize the fact there's a realtor involved, and that you're not trying to replace that realtor and be unethical. That's not the point. You're a probate specialist. It doesn't just have to be about the real estate and you need to have enough uh, arrows in your quiver that that answer is real obvious. You always want to be able to present yourself. As you're just getting started, you may not have that. But after 30, 60, 90 days, you need to have a full quiver of things you can throw at the deal. And you're always ready to talk to them, regardless of whether it's been listed with somebody else or not. Does that change the letters that I would send out? Excuse me? Does that change the letters that I would send out? Not necessarily, because sometimes in your letter, one of the earlier letters that you should be sending out talks about the team that you're building. So if you're sending out a letter, for example, that has the wheel of probate in there, we sort of generically refer to it as that, and it talks about the members of your team, a clean-out crew, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a respected contractors, all the other pieces of the crew that you build, then that's helpful. And you just need to talk about it. And you can still say, you know, of course, if there's real estate involved, we would have been interested. That's a generic. If you know that it's been listed, most of the time, what will will uh, give you a way out with that, and most people refer to it in the bottom of their letter, is that if the property, if you have real estate and the property is already listed, this is not a solicitation to, uh, you know, list the property. And you should probably be putting that in there anyway. Yeah, I put that in the footer to every single letter that I send out, every right. single one. Now, um, I still mention that I have a real estate service in my mail. I am still mentioning that that I have a real estate service. I'm focused more on the concierge type, and I still hit real estate service, real estate service, because I can show that I didn't single out that person. I can show that because I'm sending mail to all my other leads as well. Then I get myself covered with that little disclaimer at the bottom in the footer. This is if, if you're listed, this isn't a solicitation. You never know. They might not like their agent. They might fire the agent. Their listing might expire. So you still want that real estate plug in the letter in case they don't go anywhere with the listing. Um, and they might come back to you in three, six months. Um, but make it more about the concierge service, especially when you know it's listed. One other, one other point just about that is that it is not uncommon in probate for the uh, listing agreement to be a shorter duration than a normal one. And the reason why is that oftentimes the person that's doing it is maybe the friend of the family. And it's like, well, okay, listen, I, I, I hear you. I'll give you, I'll let you do it for 30 days, but you know, I may have another, they're trying to be nice, but not lock themselves down. 
So they may have a real short-term listing agreement with the person that put it in there. So by the time they get your letter, they may be ready to, you know, get rid of Uncle Fred and move on to a more professional approach. So again, like Bruce said, make sure it's in there, but you never know what you're going to run into. All right. Thank you. So guys, even as a coach, I still have a lot of questions from you guys. Um, so what, what's the, and, and I encourage everybody to ask your questions because again, nobody knows everything, but other than the real estate, because again, I'm, I'm of the mind of Bruce, I would move on immediately. I'd be like, okay, well, I was, uh, you know, one day short, but I know the next lead that is going to answer, I'm going to be right there on time and I'm going to get that deal and I'm going to make money. But other than monetizing the real estate, what other ways would you monetize the deal through a third party? Because most of the people that I refer, I'm not, I'm not getting paid. I'm not getting a kickback and maybe I should start asking for that, but what would be the, the best ways to monetize? Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Couple of ways. Um, number one is, uh, you could use the, that, uh, use that as a referral source. And then you could potentially go to your referral partners, your team members, and you could ask them to contribute to kick in as uh, partners on marketing. Uh, just imagine you're doing 10 mailers and maybe you have, uh, maybe you have someone on, on staff that does cold calling and maybe you're doing uh, websites and Facebook advertising and you're doing all these things and that stuff costs money. What if your vendor partners kicked in half of the expense uh, of marketing? Uh, now, all of a sudden, your marketing dollars go a lot further. So if you're um, using that as an opportunity to refer, even though you're not going to get the listing or the purchase opportunity, um, and you're giving referrals around your partners, when you ask if they'll, if they'll contribute to marketing, they have a high likelihood of saying yes. Um, I've also bought cars uh, golf clubs, um, all kinds of things out of an estate. Uh, and a lot of them were tied to listings that I was taking, but that, that doesn't matter. There's plenty of, of things that need to be sold and things that you can invest in out of an estate that aren't always tied directly to the house. Um, uh, how else could you monetize? The seller wanted to give me, I was like, no, 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 that's okay. But, uh, but you're right. There's a lot of other items that that can be. Yeah. Bruce, um, Winston just mentioned cash advance. Cash advance. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe I missed that one. Um, <laughs> you could go to uh, go through uh, probate cash. You can do that straight through our website. Or if you get a website with all the leads, you could um, you could uh, um, uh, get people to apply for a cash advance there and get a commission. Um, you could actually charge for your concierge service. So you could say, hey, for $1,000, I'll take care of all this for you. Um, do I do all these things? No. I know people that do, though, and uh, they have successful business models around it. So, All right. Matt, um, Matt Harris had his hand up. Matt, did you push your hand down? I know Matt's hand is up. It's blending into the picture over his shoulder. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but Matt, before I call on you, I want to answer uh, Cindy's question that came in through chat. Um, Cindy's in Florida, and she's asking if uh, the the attorney that's filing probate, if they can um, get paid out of the value of the estate, or if they always need to charge an upfront fee. 
uh, to file probate and administer, kind of handle the handle the the probate process. Um, many of them do charge upfront. Uh, I'd say that the most common model that I see is a charge up front and a charge at the end when the estate is closed. That's kind of the most common model I see. Some charge all up front. Some don't take anything until the estate's all the way closed and they take a percentage of um, of, of the estate value. Um, so they can take a fee out of the estate when it's settled. Uh, they don't need to be paid up front. It's just kind of up to them and their model. Hopefully, Hopefully that helps. All right. Uh, now we can go to Matt. Matt, go ahead and unmute yourself. Thank you very much, Bruce. Uh, this is actually, I think, my third third time with uh, y'all uh, on this. Uh, I'm a licensed realtor in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And um, anyway, yeah, I was, uh, I think, a couple weeks ago when you had Aaron on. That was uh, a terrific, to go back to that, that was a terrific um, uh live chat, uh, enjoyed, enjoyed his insights. But, uh, my question, I'm getting ready to, um, get my, my first lead dump, if you will, um, here come what October one and kind of just in preparation, um, I'm rather new to this. So, um, as, as I get ready to, to jump into those leads, that will be coming my way. I, I want to just ask the question as I prepare for it, what's your, what's your recommendations for, you know, here in the next 10 days, uh, in preparation for getting started, um, what, what, what would you recommend? And, and, and as it pertains, I, I typically like making phone calls. So I uh, just would want your insight into, uh, you know, what, what that script might look like or what your, your best suggestions are once mm. I uh, get leads. Good question. Good question. So number one, and I'm going to talk to everybody here for a minute, and then I'm going to address uh, you, Matt, but, uh, a, a a huge mistake that people make when they're um, getting ready for their first 30 days in probate is they run out and they try to pack all the information that they can in and they uh, they see all the options for marketing and prospecting their leads. And there are a lot of options and they see that there's uh, maybe a dozen things that I would do to market and prospect to my leads and they think that they need to put all those dozen things into place before they start. And they fail to realize that it took me multiple years to put my dozen things together. Um, so they need to go back and you you need to go back and make sure that you simplify and that you do have a, a plan for expansion. You do have a plan for different marketing assets that you're going to build in. But to start, I would make sure that I had a couple of letters on autopilot with a couple of postcards sprinkled in between those letters. So personally, when I hit postcards, I like to do those and I call those seasoning to the letters because not everybody's going to open your letter and go, oh man, I just lost my loved one and Matt's offering to buy my house or list my house. Uh, what a good guy. They're not all going to do that. They're going to open the letter and they're going to go, I might need some of these services later. Let me set this to the side. And then they tend to forget about it or they think maybe I'll read this later this week and then it gets piled on or their spouse throws it away or something happens and they just kind of forget about that letter that they meant to go back to or meant to remember. So the postcard a few days later, a lot of times serves to pull pull that back to the top of their mind. So it's one reason why I sprinkle a few postcards through my entire campaign. So to start with in your first 30 days, I would, I would put at least um, three letters together. And maybe a postcard or two, 
and set them on autopilot, they do not have to go out all in your first 30 days. You could you could kind of set them up to go out over the course of three months. That's completely fine. But at least to get them on autopilot so that you're not chasing your tail later in the campaign. So if you don't go back to your letters and letters for another month or two or another month, you don't want to have to constantly be writing the next letter that was supposed to go out last week. So get yourself a few of those um, on autopilot um, and then uh, hit calls. So the all the leads recommended method is to send a, uh, a letter ahead of your call and then reference that use that letter to reference in your phone call. Um, I think that uh, that there's plenty of techniques that you can use to um, call without a letter or call call before let me say call before a letter uh, but it certainly helps your call when you when they say who are you again and you you, you repeat oh my name's Matt Harris I'm with XYZ probate solutions as a matter of fact uh, you might recognize me from the letter that I sent a couple of days ago okay so it's just a warm way to um, to, to pattern disrupt their their interruptions or their resistance to that initial call. Now, um, if you're going to mail, you should probably have a website. I'm not here to try to sell all the ancillary stuff for all the leads, but I don't like to mail if I'm not sending them to an online presence because people aren't always ready to respond to your mail right away. Sometimes it takes months for them to respond to mail. So um, give them something, a way to be able to, um, to, to go check you out covertly if they're not responding to you right away. Um, so some kind of a digital presence, direct them to do something, visit a website, check a blog out, something like that. Now your call, you've got a couple of different approaches. You could open the way that Aaron did a couple of weeks ago where it's very real estate forward. Hey, I was looking for so-and-so. Uh, my name's Aaron Wittenstein. I'm calling. I'm actually a realtor. I was calling about your probate process. I was wondering if you guys might be selling 123 Main Street. Direct to the point. Um, it there's no confusion or ambiguity there, and that works for a lot of people. And you're going to have to judge it on your personality and style, but you're also going to need to be able to judge the temperament of the person that answers the phone as well. Okay, my personal preference, and this is again very very personal, is I like to lead by offering uh, turnkey concierge type of services. So we cover things like uh, real estate needs, estate sale needs. If you have personal property that needs to be cleaned out or sold, um, I can help with maintenance if there's property involved that needs the grass cut, gutters cleaned, things like that. So I'm covering kind of this wide uh, swath of services in a brief um, summary in the beginning of the call. And then I'm giving them a chance to reject it. Um, I love giving someone the opportunity to reject what I just offered. Uh, because when I agree with them and I agree with their rejection, I've just won points. I've just made myself non-threatening and hopefully built some rapport. So they say, no, I don't need anything. And I go, that's amazing. I'm so glad that you've got it all taken care of. Um, you know, maybe I can just shoot you some information uh, and you can call me if anything ever does come up that you need. And they go, okay. And I say, what's a good email for you? All right. And then before they think the call's over, so I'm not going to go, okay, I'll take your email. I'll send you something. Bye. I don't do that. I say, hey, I'll take your email. I'll shoot you something in, in the mail or I'll shoot you an email later today. Call me if anything comes up. Hey, while I have you, do you mind if I ask, once probate's over, 
is there any real estate involved that might need to be sold or is that going to stay in the family? So I hold, personally, I hold the real estate back until um, they feel that the call is over. All right. Now there's a lot of different approaches. You may choose the direct approach. You may choose that uh, more hidden nuanced approach that I just gave you. And then there's a bunch of stuff in between. But personally, I like to disarm them by letting them reject my first offer. And then I pivot to the real estate question at the end of the call after I've made them feel comfortable. Hey, Bruce, you just reminded me of a, of a book and a tape series we've recommended in the past called uh, uh, Never Split the Difference. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the whole point of that was something you just said is people want to say no or they're inclined to say no to try to get you out of the way. Just one simple thing I remember from that was they said, don't say, hey, this is Bruce and I catch you at a good time. Say, hey, this is Bruce and I catch you at a bad time. And people, no, no, it's okay. I got a few minutes or <laughs> it's just such a subtle difference. But then they, you get the no out of the way right away. And they might say, yeah, you caught me at a bad time. Okay, what would be a better time? But more often than not, they're going to say, you want them to say a no, which gives you permission to proceed. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, they're going to say, no, I got a few minutes. So yep. just, just just a fine point that uh, kind of, you know, amplifies what you just said. I, yeah. I think, I think uh, what Bruce is saying goes on. You need, to, uh, you need to think about what you're going to say. Kind of get your opening, get your scripting down. And maybe get a role, you know, someone you can role play with. Uh, so whatever you whatever you decide to say, it's very smooth when you get on the phone. You don't want to get on the phone and then start deciding how, what you know how I'm going to open this conversation. So so get ahead of the list by you know getting practice with kind of your elevator pitch opening. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, thing you need to suggest or remember is that you talked about all the things that they could potentially deploy with their mail and, and all the rest of this, that also could sound pretty daunting to somebody trying to get ready in three or four days and realize that we have a team of marketing implementation specialists who are here to help you do that. So when you first start, really your first order of business, once you, uh, decided to become a subscriber. I think we try and get you hooked up quickly with your MIS person, and that's what we refer to them as. And they're there to help you get your letters together, get your website set up, get that stuff going. We put a team together just to do that, to try to make it easy for you. You're you're buying into a system. You're not just buying leads. And, you know, Bruce did a fine job of talking about the things that we offer, but you need to realize that this is not just a lead that you're buying. We've built our business around providing tools and support for anyone in probate that's working on probate to make it easy for you. So avail yourself of what's there. You didn't just buy leads. You've got a whole plethora of things sitting back there that can help you. And these are the people that can help you. And if you're looking to get that done or you haven't heard back from them again, support at alltheleads.com. I need to get a, uh, a chat with my MIS person. Yep. Yep. Perfect. Um, now you want to add other things in. You want to um, you want to uh, really uh, expand in the future. Expand. Look at everything as an ac- asset, and uh, go build out uh, more marketing tools. Build out video series, blogs. Um, start your attorney relationships. All these things are really important. That nobody should feel like they have to go tackle all those things at once. So remember. 
you've got time, you want to get your basic opening and, and um, elevator pitch as uh, Ken referred to it. You want to get that down. Um, and very importantly, you know, a lot of times I'll tell people to start with their opening and their, their elevator pitch. Um, that's not kind of the only thing that you want to start with. You want to list off your, a handful of your, uh, controlling questions, your controlling questions. So, um, one of the questions that I used to hear, and I still hear a lot of people say after their elevator pitch is, uh, is there anything I could do for you? Okay. And there's about 899 different responses that your prospect could give you if, if that's your question. So it's not very controlling. Um, I prefer to have some uh, kind of pre pre-planned questions that give me a leg up. So, uh, I always know how to handle, uh, the polar opposite responses here. So an example would be, do you have everything handled or is there anything that you need help with? And if they say, I need help, I know how to handle that. If they say we have it all handled, I know how to handle that. At least now I'm not getting our attorneys doing it. Uh, I'm not getting, I got to talk to my family. They're going to answer inside of the frame that I gave them with my question and it lets me control the call. So list out a handful of, of questions that you have that give you control of the direction of the conversation. Um, there's nothing worse than losing control because they start talking and objecting and giving you answers that you just weren't prepared for. All right. Cool. Yeah, Matt, Matt, I would say schedule a coaching call because uh, all the other marketing, I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, I send my letters, of course, uh, I have the website, but other than that, I just love being on the phone. I mean, uh, so schedule a coaching call and let's talk about strategy. Again, everybody has their own opening. I'm very, I'm very actually indirect. I want to establish rapport before I even give my offer because I, I feel strongly if I can establish rapport, um, then they're going to be much more open to talking to me about my offer. They see me as a, a more of a human being. So the fir first thing I, I ask is like, what, once I, excuse me, once I get the call open is, you know, how are you doing with the loss? And if they will open up to me about that and I can relate with them, then when I do pivot to my offer, uh, it's received so much more openly. Hmm. Good. Very good. It's great stuff. And I appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Feet. You're going to kill it, man. <laughs> All right. Steve, Steve Carney, how are you? I am doing well, Bruce. So um, you and Ken have largely covered what I was going to say when I raised my hand about, I don't know, 10 minutes ago. But you know, the, the point about yeah, they got it listed, and you certainly don't want to step on another realtor's toes. Um, but hey, let me send you this probate checklist that you may find helpful to help mm -hmm. you. I'll give it to you. I, I don't want anything for it. It's free. You just, just send me your email address. And then I think then you can get into, very inexpensively, a drip campaign because you don't know how the, if the house is going to close or not. Obviously, if they have it listed, they want to sell. And they got to sell with somebody. Uh, fracture closings are still around 15 to 17%. People are walking away. You don't know. So mm -hmm. the idea that you can establish rapport or, you know, hey, what's one thing I could take off your plate today? Like I said, a move out group. 
have a, I know somebody, I can have them call you, you work directly with them. And that's it. Um, because if they have your letter and they have a the checklist to kind of help structure how they're going to do this as they're going through you know, emotional time, that's something you've given. You've, you've just provided value. You're not asking for anything, but you're kind of in the background. And then, yep. who knows? They get to the point where they're stuck. You know, you're sending a drip campaign of emails that pick up the phone. Or I think what you said, maybe you follow up in a month or so with a postcard. Hey, how's everything going with your probate process? Mm-hmm. Leaving it at that. Um, that I think, you know, still, because it's still a lead. I wouldn't, I wouldn't write them off completely. I, I think that, and, and you don't have to put a whole lot of time in it. It's a matter of just setting it up, automating it, and it's pretty doggone passive. And, you know, when you know you can make an annotation too in the CRM, hey, this thing's enlisted after, you know, you find out, hey, this for how long, 90 days? Yeah, I hope you sell your house. Well, once they tell you what the listing is till, well, then that's time to follow up. Hey, sell your house? Yep. You know, and who knows? They may know somebody else, or what if they have other properties of them to decide, hey, you know what? I don't want this anymore. They're a tired landlord. You just don't know what's out there. Um, I I I know great great answer and I um I'm gonna call you on something it, it's not really calling you on it but you said you're not asking you for anything That's you're right. not you're not taking payment you're not charging it's free I would argue that you are charging okay and uh, their payment is the permission to communicate right That's their payment their email sure. That's the payment that they're providing That's the social capital Yep. An email is gold. Right. An email is marketing. Yep. Yeah. Too many people, they think that the only form of payment that they can take from someone is getting that listing appointment or that um, that appointment to go look at the house to make an offer. And not everybody's ready for that yet. Right. Fall and back others to, have done, you're there. Yep. Fall back to an email if they're not ready for it. Fall back to an email. Just offer to send them something free or some information so that they can call you later. And then take the payment of an email and then start marketing to them. It's just right. It's it's less intrusive. And it's like Ken said, it's about establishing a report. Hey, they're providing value. They're not trying to push me into a sale. Um, This may be the person I need to work with. Or- you know, if they know somebody else who's leaving the situation, hey, I know this guy. He was really good. He helped me with this stuff. He didn't charge me anything. You know, he may be able to help you. You don't know. Yep. So, and the final thing I got to say, because Winston's on, I got to say good morning because he always says good morning, even though it's the afternoon here on East East Coast. <laughs> I sorry, I, that went over my head. I got it. I know. Good you got morning, it. Winston. <laughs> Ken. There's there's different styles, but I think personally, um, where I focus my energy is having objections ready. If somebody says I'm talking to a realtor, I mean, if they were if they're already listed, and that's a client that you want, which means they're going to be reasonable about their list price, the home probably is going to sell. So I mean, again, if you if you fight success, you know, talking to people that are already listed, fantastic. Again, different different models for everybody. But um, I think you should have your objections ready if somebody has a realtor ready that they're talking to and not necessarily listed with. And that's where I try to find the pain points. I got an appointment the other day. Um, the real, uh, the, the seller, his pool was empty. 
So they were like talking about putting the house on the market and letting it sit there. And I go, that's a terrible idea. Like if you're going to leave the pool vacant or, uh, excuse me, empty, then call in the investors now and sell it immediately to an investor, you know, because otherwise you're, you're, you're sitting out there for no reason in the slow time of the year. So you got to find their pain points, find out how you could better serve that client than the other realtor they're talking to. And that's how you get the appointment. I spent two hours with that gentleman. I'm like 95% sure I'm going to get the the listing because I offer, I built rapport, but then I offered him a better solution. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cool. Uh, great responses all around, guys. Um, let's go to Daniel. Daniel, uh, good to see you again. Hey, uh, I just had a quick question. I'm trying to figure out uh, in the probate mastery training, they talk about getting a Google voice number, but I'm trying to figure out, you know, if you're going to go research me and you'll find out I have a different number for my real estate, wouldn't that not be good? So I'm trying to figure figure out do I use my regular cell phone that I have for my real estate business or do I need a Google voice number? Um, yes and no. Uh, there's a um, new uh, process called 10 DLC, which says that every uh, new phone number that you're setting up specifically for marketing has to be registered and you have to tell the uh, carrier and uh, potentially they may t- show the government, I'm not sure what you're going to be using that phone for and they have to approve it, especially if there's going to be any text that go through it. Um, so do, do be aware that if you're using something beyond your, uh, office phone or your cell phone, you, you've got to set that up properly, um, by going through the 10 DLC process. It's not too complicated, but do be aware of that. Um, I, prefer to run my communication, my outright my outreach and prospecting through a um a third party voice over IP. Could be Google Google Voice. It could be Line 2. I personally prefer Aircall. Um Aircall is an extension that plugs into your CRM. So it could plug right into Google Chrome and when you open all the leads up, your phone numbers become clickable. So I I like Aircall. Um uh, dial pad, um, just call. There's lots of different um, phone systems that you could use. I would use one of those. And here's the reason why. If you're going to make more than 40 calls a day, and technically the number is 50, I don't want to get close to 50. If you're going to make more than 40 outbound dials a day, even if it's to friends, the carriers are going to see your high volume of outbound calls and they're going to say to themselves, huh, this is a lot of calls. This guy must be a spammer. You don't have to be reported. You don't. Nothing bad has to happen. They just see a high outbound volume of calls that happen pretty consistently on a, on a day-to-day basis, and they will flag you as spam. And if you do that through your cell phone, uh, it's unrecoverable. I mean, I guess technically there's some things you could do to get that uh, get, to recover from that, but it's hard. You want that happening on a voice over IP number or another number somehow. Okay. So if you're going to prospect five people a day, use your cell phone. If you're going to prospect 40, uh, go get a uh, go get a, a voice over IP number. Uh, Google Voice is not my favorite. Um, it is free, by the way. So maybe it's going to be your favorite. <laughs> um, 
but it's not my favorite, uh, mainly because when someone call, calls back in, uh, it usually says, uh, this is Google Voice, please state your name and I'll lose people there. So I just get more customization when I've paid for a phone uh, a phone line. Wait, one thing I want to add is don't sign a long-term contract, whatever you do. And I'm, I'm telling you that because uh, in, in some reasonable period of time coming up, you're going to get the opportunity to potentially get a, a voice over IP system fully integrated with the things they were offering. And uh, I would have to be stuck in a long-term contract. So it might cost you a couple of bucks extra a month for whatever you get, but uh, take the monthly payment option rather than the annual to save a few bucks because we're looking real hard at doing that yeah. for you and giving you some dial capabilities and things like that to inter interface directly with your leads and make it even easier on you. One of the um, one of the best systems that's out there that's really good, especially it's not it's not a power dialer, but a really good, well reputable system is uh, uh, Ring Central. People have used it. I made the mistake with them of setting up fifteen phone numbers uh, in Ring Central at forty forty five bucks a piece, and um, without knowing it, I got into a three year contract. So definitely be careful with some. Uh, and, and it was a good system, so I'm not bad mouthing the system. But you got to be careful. You got to make sure you're not getting locked into something really, really long term. Uh, none of the systems that I just named lock you in for for that long. So, okay. And then a follow up question. Um, I think it was Ken was talking about coaching on how to make the calls. Do you guys have any of the live calls recorded that we can go listen to? Or how our first contact call might go. Um, yeah, there are a lot of um, older uh, role play calls on YouTube. Um, I don't know if they're in the podcast channel or not, but if you go to YouTube, uh, all the leads, and then look at playlists, you're going to look for the role play uh, playlist. And um, they are um, a decent amount older. None of them follow the um, system that I or Ken teach right now, but they're still good. There's so many ways that you can handle a phone call. Um, just because I use one way doesn't mean that that's what is going to work for everyone and that that's what everyone has to use. And same with Ken. Um, we've got our our processes, but those role play calls ran for a long time and they're really, really good. If you're in probate mastery, then um, you uh, you may want to look at the interactive upgrade and do um, do the role play calls that are live. Also on Facebook, if you're in our mastermind group and you should be, uh just pop in there and ask if anybody would like to work with as a role play partner and you can be bouncing them back and forth with somebody else who's doing the same thing you are. And that's a great way to learn. Mm -hmm. Daniel, I know uh, Aaron Wittenstein does that on a regular basis. It's kind of an accountability thing. Yeah. He's always got five to 10 people that he prospects with. Yeah. He mentioned that on the call. So you might want to reach out to him. He's very generous. He's, I'm sure he'd probably be, you know, willing to consider letting you into that group. There's a whole bunch of people on on the Facebook also, so no, I think that's a great idea. Reach out to Aaron, but there's a lot of people on Facebook looking to role play too. Hey, Bruce, is a uh, Daniel? Do you have another question, or you're waving goodbye? Uh, what was Aaron's last name? I don't want to look him up. Wittenstein, and then W I T T E N S T Wittenstein. By the way, it's like Frankenstein. Yeah, he gets called Steen, but it's Wittenstein. Uh, S T E I N and he's in, uh, um, he's in our Facebook group. Um, you can, I'm sure you can find him or 
just got the Facebook group and, and ask for you. Okay. Thank you. As a follow-up to that, Bruce, and as an answer to Paul was asking, where does he get the probate checklist? And you may have a different answer, but I, I, one thing that we haven't talked about in a long time, we have an incredibly robust search feature on our website. Uh, I think a lot of these things you're asking us, where's the probate checklist, role-play calls, if you just go to allbleeds.com, put it in the put it in the chat bar there, kind of like Google. You know, you may have to play around with it, but you'll you'll find many, many, many times that we've uh, we've touched on that on these on these calls. And like Bruce said, some of it might be eight years ago, some of it might be more current. But the essence of uh, what you're going to find there hasn't changed. And Bruce, do you have a a different answer on where to find the probate checklist? Uh, probate checklist. Uh, go to your uh, MIS, uh, your marketing impl- implementation specialist, or go to support. Uh, the chat bar when you go to alltheleads.com um, and they can get you set up um, with how to access that. Perfect. Boys, is that time? It is time. And it perfect timing. No hands up. Anything you need to address in chat, Bruce, before we go? I don't think so. Um, I, I don't believe that I missed any questions, guys. If I did happen to miss a question of yours, I apologize. We'll try to... Um, address it ASAP, uh, but I don't see any that I've missed. So I um, appreciate everybody being here. All right. Well, I'm going to close it the way I always do with an extra little challenge. I want to thank each and every one of you for being here, particularly thank Rocky and Dwayne and Matt, and Daniel, and everybody who actively participated. And Steve. And Steve. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I don't want to leave anybody out. Uh and I want to challenge each of you, and I do this every week, but I would love for somebody to come on the call last week, next week and say, hey, my best idea was this, and here's what I did. I'd really like to get some feedback to that. Um, but I want to challenge you. Take one thing that inspired you on this call, one idea, go out and put it into practice, and please come back next Thursday and share the results with the group. Have a great week, everybody. See you next Thursday. Take care.